Hello, hello everyone. This is Dr. Aaron Stair from bloomingwellness.com and here we are. It is another episode of Causes or Cures coming at you from my relatively quiet apartment in New York City. Um, I have to tell you, it's the holiday season, which is normally the most fun time to be in New York City, but it's definitely different this year because of the pandemic. Um, a lot less of that hustle and bustle um, but there's still spirit here. You can still have holiday spirit, right? Just this past weekend, I took my dog ice skating in Bryant Park. Um, okay, so neither of us went ice skating, but we did watch the other ice skaters, and it was very meditative, I have to tell you. So you can still do fun things, and it was outdoors, so it was safe, and people were getting exercise, which is good. Um, all right. Anyhow, whew, this brings me to the topic of the podcast, which is a really interesting topic for lots of different reasons. I have to tell you, um, this impacts a lot of my friends and a lot of my friends' kids. And I'm talking about PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, It at least affects 5 million women in the U.S. It's a very common cause of infertility. It's associated with high rates of obesity and depression. And as you can imagine, Those two things fuel each other, right? Yeah, not a benign syndrome at all. But I'm super excited to have on the line from the Netherlands, Dr. Jerry Giscout, who is at the University Medical Center in Rotterdam. And she studies this stuff. She studies PCOS and how it relates to lifestyle factors, diet, and obesity. She works with a population that has both PCOS and suffers from obesity. And she's going to tell us, like, what basically, what can be done? Is there one diet that is better than all the others for people who have PCOS? Um, A while ago, I read that it was the keto diet, but I didn't know. And I asked her about that in the podcast. um, And she she knew. She says, here's the answer in terms of what the best diet is. Uh, She's also going to talk a little bit about obesity in this population, why there is such a strong link, what causes it, um, and what are the best lifestyle changes and best exercises for someone who has PCOS to lose weight. Um, So it it was a great discussion. I hope you guys learned stuff, and I'm going to put Jerry on the line now and hand the show over to her. (laughs) Okay, one second, guys. Okay, Jerry, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I'm excited to talk to you about this topic, PCOS. Um, so I guess first first off, do you mind just giving like an, an introduction of uh, who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course, I would do that. Okay. Um, well, I'm Jerry and I work in the <laughs> Netherlands and I work in a, in a teaching hospital. So that's where all the students uh, even uh, work for their medical training. And uh, I work in a department for reproductive medicine. So that's the department where I see a lot of patients with PCOS, but also patients come in for IVF treatment or a different kind of hormone uh, treatment. So that's what I do. And I work there as a psychologist and I also performing my PhD research over there. Um, I think you will hear my cat <laughs> right now. <laughs> I did. I don't know if yeah. he or she had perf- perfect timing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do you want me that. to do it? Do you want me to do it again, or do you keep no, it in? No, no, no. You know what? It's 
it's fine. Like everybody who's <laughs> listening to this is human and they understand okay. these things. And okay. um, uh, cat, I, lo- I love cats, so we're good. Um, okay. So <laughs> yeah, and so I've read some of your. Um, you have a lot of research articles um, yeah. related, yeah, related to PCOS, um, obesity, and you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. I guess in your experience, so obviously PCOS is a big issue everywhere, um, and you know, so maybe can you talk a little bit about what you see um, in terms of biggest issues that people, you know, who have PCOS, what those issues might are. Well, I see most of the women who come in at the department where I work uh, with obesity and uh, uh, desire to have a baby. Um, And that's a different group than I think most women with PCOS actually experience because I think most of them feel feel really insecure about their body or about about the way they look. So I think it's a, uh, a specific group I see. So I see most of the women who are overweight or obese, but... There's also a large group of women who visit our department and they are depressed or uh, have problems with their self-esteem. So I think that's actually the biggest group of women who suffer from those kinds of problems. Okay. Um, so I w- uh, let, let, let's just like focus on obesity, I guess, first. Um, in terms of, you know, like prevalence in this population, um, and why it seems like why is it hard for them to lose weight or you know is, is this like it's a significant problem do you think so yeah it's a really big problem i think uh, if you it depends on w- which country you look but it's most of the uh, countries have a prevalence of 50 to 60% of the women who with PCOS who are obese so that's a larger group than actually you would expect in a normal population and um, that's even the same in America or in Europe or in Asia. So that's actually uh, the same in all the countries. And um, actually, they don't know why so many women with PCOS suffer from obesity. They did so many research and they actually cannot find one thing or one uh, genetic uh, thing who can actually explain that large portion of women who suffer from their weight. So they actually don't know how it works yet. Hmm. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. And that's actually, yeah, that's really, and it's really strange actually that we still don't know. Yeah. And is, is, are there, have they discovered any genetic um, predispositions for PCOS or no? Yeah. Yeah. For PCOS, they did, but not for obesity in PCOS. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, um, so I know a lot of, I mean, obviously obesity is a really tough problem in, in general. Um, so if you could start by maybe talking about like what what is in your opinion the most effective approach? Um, someone comes to you uh, um, who has PCOS and uh, says, "Hey, I, and, and is obese, and they want to lose weight." Um, so yeah, in your opinion, what what is the best af- approach for that? Well, the difficult thing is with with obesity in general, but also in women with PCOS, is that um, it's difficult for anybody to lose weight. So it's it's an unnatural thing to do. So you have to change a lot of things in your behavior and in the habits you have. And that makes it really difficult. And you, you also have to do it for a longer period of time. And most of the women we see, they tried books, they tried different diets, they visited a dietitian. So they tried a lot of different things. And that, that's uh, quite different, uh, difficult because 
there are a lot of books about PCOS at the moment, or PCOS diets. Mm -hmm. And those books are not all really scientifically proven effective. Um, so that's what I found really difficult for me as a, a, a psychologist or someone who actually knows a little bit more about lifestyle, that um, the books are available, but they don't, they don't actually have the evidence that they actually are effective. So most women try it and and if you actually enter in Google PCOS diet, you always see carbohydrates and they are bad for you. Yeah. So all the women I see, they come in and they say, oh, I cannot eat bread because bread is the devil or something. Yeah. Um, and, and so a lot of women heard different things and to find a new effective way that you actually can, can continue for the next 10 years or the next 20 years, that's a difficult thing. And that's what I actually think is the most important thing to do find a way of living and eating that they actually can sustain for the next 20 years, 30 years, because they have to live a life at PCOS for quite some time. So um, I think that's the biggest challenge for most women with PCOS, finding something they actually can do for the next 30 years. Um, and so it's interesting because if you don't know why they're more prone to um, yeah. obesity, right? Like, I guess it's hard to, to know where to start. <laughs> yeah, um, it is difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I would imagine there's a lot of research. Is there, is there a lot of research going on in that area to try to figure out why why is, is there this correlation? Yeah, there's a lot of research, especially in Australia and also here in in Europe, also in America, but most of the times in uh, in Australia, there's a really big research group who invests all kind of diets and how it works and what it works and how or if it works. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of research going on, and you're right, because we don't know what is the trigger or the reason they are obese, it's also difficult to find a solution and that actually works for everybody with PCOS. And I think if you look really closely, and I still didn't do that, that mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of differences between women with PCOS and why or how they become um, obese or overweight. Mm. So mm -hmm. I think it depends on so many factors that we still don't know. I think uh, you cannot say that everybody with PCOS has the same problem with their weight. Okay. Um, and, you know, there, some people say, oh, well, if you want to lose weight, it's just less calories in and more calories out. Yeah. Um, right. So there's that. That's that, still true. Yeah. That, there, I know, yeah. That, that's still, that's not a sexy answer. No one wants to no. hear that. Um, including me, I'm like, oh, come yeah. on, like there's, <laughs> I'm going to go to the health store and I'm going to get something that's going to make it happen faster. Like, um, so, but then we also have all of these new diets out there, you know, there, yeah. and, and you're, yeah. And I hear too, I don't see patients, but I, I have, I have friends with PCOS. I have friends, um, who have kids who have it. Um, and they're always looking for the, the diet that works. And I hear a lot about the keto diet and I hear a lot about, you know, low carb. Um, so it, it, and I'm just going to ask you, like, what is, is there a, a specific diet that seems to work better than others? Well, um, no, actually there isn't. And actually, if you look at the international guideline for PCOS, they, uh, that came out two years ago, they actually said that the, you shouldn't follow one specific diet for your PCOS. And that was really controversial because there are a lot of 
people actually say, well, I had really good results with this kind of diet or this kind of diet. Mm -hmm. But that's the difficult thing. Most of the times it's the research that has been done was done on really small groups of women with PCOS. So, for instance, one of the studies was actually done on five women with PCOS. For, for instance, the keto diet was tested in five women with PCOS. Well, in that case, you cannot say that those five women represent the whole population of women with PCOS. But a lot of women read that article and said, whoa, the keto diet is the thing I should do. Right. So that's really difficult because you cannot see that when you read the article. You see the article and you think, oh, that was a really good result. Right. People lost weight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, keto diet, really good for PCOS. And then if you look in depth and you see, oh, there were actually five people and it was a specific group of women with PCOS, then you think, oh, wait, maybe this is not for me. Or maybe this isn't actually suitable for a longer period of time. So that's the difficult thing with all the diets that are out there. Um, they all, all were tested for, uh, for example, for six months. So they can say something about weight loss for six months, but not in real life or in how should you do that with uh, work and having children and actually mm. doing grocery shopping and that continue that for the rest of your life. So mm. that's, that is that I found really disturbing. That I think, oh, no, please don't do everything that you can find on the Internet because it's not really <laughs> right. tested for a longer period of time. Right. I mean, and, and like, you know, I see on Facebook, I mean, I have a wellness page. Um, yeah. And I, I, I mean, some, I get a lot of, well, I encourage people to talk a lot, but I, I, as, as soon as someone says, oh, this works, this works, there, there's a lot of excitement about it. And I'm like, wait a minute, guys, like, let's look for, you know, published studies and, you know, well-conducted trials. And, but a lot of people don't care. They just, they see it, there's enthusiasm and they're like, um, yeah, of course, interesting. of course, yeah. I would do, I think I would do the same because if you have a yeah. problem with your weight, you want a solution. Yes. So of course you're you're also a little bit desperate because at the moment you are searching for those kind of solutions, you you really have a problem with yourself or with the weight you have. So of course you want right. a solution. Right. So if you see somebody is really happy with their diet and how much weight they lost, of course you're going to do it. Right. I think the elephant in the room for me has always been um, if we found something that truly worked for everyone. Like there wouldn't be a new thing popping up, you know, every yeah. day, right? Like yeah. it would, it, it would calm down a bit. Be like, oh, we figured it out, guys. No more issues. But that's <laughs> yeah. just yeah. that is not the case. No, um, if 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 somebody found the solution, that yeah. person would be in all yeah. over the news. And, <laughs> and actually, that person would Jeff also, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that person would be so rich as well. So yeah, and that's the thing. A lot of people get rich by somebody who's really um, feeling upset about their weight. So a lot of people sell the books and they make a lot of money actually by, yeah, well, telling people they have the solution. And it's actually not true. Mm -hmm. right. There, there yeah. is no solution. There is no, there's, um... Well, there's not actually one solution. And actually, if you look at the book, but actually by the cover, and I think always when there is the word diet in it, or um, um, uh, if you look at pictures before and after, then you also all, all, always know it's not a long-term solution for you. Right, right. I mean, and that's been my experience. I don't have PCOS, but I think when I wanted to try something, you know, like even like a detox or whatever, like, and that's a buzzword you hear and you're like, oh, that sounds good, taking a detox. But um, yeah, it's not something you can maintain for the long term. Like common yeah. sense is really 
and commitment is really the only th- and discipline. I think those yeah. three things really help me. Um, yeah. And actually, if you already know, if you read something and you already know, can you do this for three months or longer? Maybe there's some part in yourself you think, oh yes, I can do this. I can do this. But yeah. that's actually not a good <laughs> thing, actually, <laughs> because you, because if you think about it, can you actually do this for five years? Then you already know the answer. Then you shouldn't do it. There's no way I could do just protein for like even even a year. Or I yeah. just there I could not do it. Um, of course not. Bread no. is too good and pasta is too good. And yeah, yeah. of course, it should be yeah. in everybody's diet, actually. <laughs> um, and I think that would cause me to like binge more. During, you know, yeah. after, I, I would just get fed up and I'd be like, okay, no, eating this now. Um, yeah, just that's not happening. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, and obvi- can you talk a little bit too about um, anxiety and depression um, in this particular population and whether or not that is significantly linked to obesity or um, it's significant by itself? Yeah, it's significant by itself. So um, a really large group of women with PCOS have problems with their mood, especially depression and anxiety. But you see it more in women who are also obese. So that group has more difficulties and they actually think that the Obesity, being obese has something to do with it. So about how you feel about yourself and how you experience your body. So they think that not the obesity, like the weight itself, but especially how you actually feel about it makes you more prone to depression and anxiety. And that is a difficult thing. I th- and especially because not even the depression and anxiety is a really big problem, but also right. the eating disorder group is really big in women with PCOS. So when you think about that, and then I found it really disturbing that there are so many PCOS diets out there when there is such a group, large group of women who also have eating disorders or are really prone for eating disorders. So oh, this group yeah. of women should really be aware that they can or actually develop a really disturbing eating pattern. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, so, and, and you like bulimia, anorexia. Yeah. Yeah, especially bulimia and binge. Mm. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um. I, I. So, let's see. I know people are like they. They. You know, they want solutions. Obviously, there's not an easy solution. I'm sorry, guys. I, I lost yeah. half. Lost half of my subscribers sorry. right there. Yeah. But, sorry. <laughs> no. No magic cures today. Mm-hmm. Um. But let's like say I come to your practice, um, I have PCOS, I have um, a high BMI, um, depressed about my weight, like where, where would you tell someone like me to start or what would you do? Well, first we do a lot, uh, I think one hour of interviewing about how you're eating at the moment and how your exercise is. And uh, the women in our practice also see a dietitian and one of our physical therapists and we do a special special measurement, and I don't know if there it's available in many hospitals, but we actually measure the uh, the resting metabolism of those women. So we actually know how much calories you use by mm. in rest. So then you have a starting point. Oh, interesting. How you can actually can how can you find a, a balanced meal plan that actually works for you? So you have some kind of boundaries uh, how you can eat. And that works really well. Um, so there's no, there's so not, there's not a specific diet, but you actually are 
trying to find a way to adjust the current diet pattern to those boundaries of those tests. So you, we don't say, well, you cannot eat bread because bread is bad. No, we are going to see how is your pattern at the moment and can we find a little bit more healthy way of eating that is really close to your own kind of eating. So that's a really different approach. Oh, that is. Yeah. So you're not... You're not giving specifics in terms of number of calories to eat or types of food or how many times you should eat a day? No, <laughs> no, we don't do that. Um, so yes, we look at how many calories you use in, in, in rest, and then we find a new way of eating for you based on those calories. And but can you, you cannot say, yeah, sorry. No, no, that's fine. Can, can you just explain to listener how you measure that resting rate of burning calories? Yeah, um, it's actually a special test, and, and I don't know if it's called the same, but I'll actually check it on Google when we are talking. Uh, <laughs> okay. Nutrition, <laughs> nutritional assessment. Um, actually, it's, 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 it's called, in, in Dutch, it's called a nutritional assessment, and actually we you are lying down, and it's this kind of, uh, if you look a little bit like an alien, because there's some plastic... I actually don't know how to explain it in English better. Um, okay. We actually measure by by your breath. So we can measure how much calories you actually breathe out, to say it in a really easy way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not done in that many uh, hospitals. or We do actually do it uh, uh, more now because, for instance, for people who are in the intensive care unit. So you can actually measure how much calories they use when they're lying there. So that's why we use it more often also for women with PCOS. So that's really interesting. And I have never heard this before. So I'm like kind of yeah. all focused on it. Um, so it's a women who have PCOS. What are you finding that they um, have a, they're burning less calories than somebody who doesn't have PCOS? Yes, there are some theories to actually, and a little bit of research done, who say they actually uh, consume a little bit less than, well, I don't say normal women, but women without PCOS. So actually, they don't have a really low metabolism, but they are actually a little bit lower. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so you try to find you try to find a way to optimize their current eating pattern which makes sense. And then they can maintain it long-term. Yeah. Now, are, are you checking this Are you redoing this test to see if they start, to, I guess their metabolism starts to improve? Yeah. And actually when you're starting to exercise, for instance, then your metabolism would change also. So you repeat those measurements every three months to see how is it going. And actually you want to make sure that somebody who doesn't, uh, um, Actually, well, how, how would I say it? A lot of people have so much uh, knowledge about all the diets that are out there. So a lot of people you actually say, well, we're going to optimize your nutrition. But a lot of people start actually a little bit of a diet in their head, I, I would say it. So mm -hmm. some people who think, oh, okay, she said I could eat bread, but I'm still stopping my bread. So we, we do a lot of measurements, like, for instance, like, are you, st are you eating? How is your e diet at the moment? So we... Every three months, we measure three days of how they eat. Okay, okay. And there's no bad or good. It's no, there's like, no bad or good. Yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't say, don't eat donuts? Well, 
No, there is actually not a right or wrong because that's a lot of people actually how they think. It's actually based on on all the diet cultures out there. So you've learned that donuts are bad and broccoli is good. That's how we learned it. But of course, if you eat broccoli all day, it's still not good. So it's all, if you call it balanced, of course it's balanced. And that's a difficult thing because there is no balance out there that's actually suitable for everybody. But mm-hmm. yeah, you cannot say that donors are bad for you. So you can uh, never eat them again. So there's also not that kind of rules for women with PCOS. And okay. there were a lot of diets. For instance, they checked if avocado was good for that kind of hormone. They checked it. And of course, yeah, you can find that kind of diets and research out there. But it doesn't really mean that is also something you should do in your daily life. So for instance, you can find that that hormone will go up if you eat avocado. But it doesn't mean that all the other hormones will will be influenced in a positive way also. So that's right. why if the if you look at the guideline, they say, well, just have a balanced diet approach and uh, reduce your energy intake. That's what they say actually in the PCOS guideline. But that I also find a little bit difficult because if you say reduce your energy intake, you you still have to know what is your energy intake at the moment and is if if that's okay for you or if you should eat uh, different or a little bit less or so it's still difficult difficult to actually uh, um, make a personal plan for somebody so you also have to also always have to look at how is every, how is your how is your how are you doing at the moment okay i see um I'm and sorry I like that my, I, my English is not my mother tongue, so I'm oh, trying okay. to, to, to explain this, everything this in a right way. Do not apologize. This is the only okay. language I speak. So, okay. um, like most Americans. Um, but <laughs> that's an issue we have here. Like, we don't learn. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm going to get side. I could get sidetracked, sidetracked on that. Yeah. Uh, I like what you said, though, earlier about oh, this works for this, or this lowers this hormone. Because what I find often in um, the business of wellness is that it's very reductive. And people tend to like, oh, well, let's try this, this will do this. But then they don't, they're not actually looking at the whole picture, right? The whole system. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, that was what I was trying to say in my not American first language. No, no, you, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you said yeah. it well. I think I think yeah. that's, a, that's a really important point. Um, now, in terms of exercise, like we have cardio, we have resistance. Is there, yeah. um, is there a, a protocol, or is it just kind of what works for someone? Well, uh, yeah, there's actually a lot about research in, in exercise, and um, well, I'm going to say something different in that case as well. Perfect. Um, I always say, please do something you actually enjoy a little bit. So if you like Zumba, please go to Zumba classes. And if you do that, and if you enjoy that, please do that. But if you like volleyball, for instance, please do that. So don't do it because you think that's the best for PCOS or um, because most of the time, if you don't enjoy it a little bit, you probably won't do it for the next month right. or something. Yeah, totally, totally. So in our program we have, we actually do a different kind of sports every week. Because all of the women who actually I see, they have like a gym uh, membership, but they, they don't go there. They only pay for it. And <laughs> they found it, find it really, they found it horrible to be there. Or they feel they are the only obese women in the, in the gym. Mm. So they actually yeah. don't f- feel comfortable being there. So um, 
I always think it's really good to find something that works for you and for your the, how your life is or your job. So if you like walking, please go walking. Um, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still there. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So I didn't know if I lost you for a second. Um, and that that makes sense. Um, so there's no so. Is that in line with the research that you know of? Um, or is there people who like, oh no, they should lift weights more yeah, of than? Of course, yeah, of course, you can find that research. Yeah, okay. they did a lot of re research about cardio and how many hours a week. But the the normal re recommendations for all the people out there yeah. um, are actually the same for women with PCOS. So oh. yes, of course, you can find recommendations for the 10,000 steps a day. But actually, this is actually quite the same for women with PCOS. Okay, okay, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know um, as I've gotten older and I played soccer, I played in college and stuff. Well, it became more like a job, but now I'm all about having fun when I work out um, yeah. or turning. I mean, when I walk my dog, I turn that into like a, a, an aerobic um, exercise, um, just, just, or, you know, even chores. So you can get really creative, um, yeah. but, you know, yeah, as long as you stick with it or, you know, um, make it part of your lifestyle, like a more active lifestyle. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's and, good. And I think that would work. And if you really enjoy going to the gym, people should do that. But don't go to the gym because you read an article about it would be good for you and for your PCOS. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I think, I think that is, that is, that can be a motivation to go to the gym or lift weights, for instance. But, um, only if it is something that's really something for you or you find enjoyable or you can do it with a friend. I think that are more important reasons to do it than the article who said it was really good for you. Okay. Um, now, do you do cognitive behavioral therapy there as well? And Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a combined program we do. So we do the cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy. That's more my kind of the, uh, my field. And we have a dietitian who is really into healthy eating and how you can actually do that and then we have two physical therapists so yeah i'm for the cbt part that's uh, that's my uh, my thing okay and can you just explain why that would be helpful to someone who has pcos well i think if you look at or anyone uh, yeah of course yeah yeah we do it actually in the we do it in the program for weight loss and in for the program for weight loss we actually do it um, to find out what is actually in your head. So what are you thinking about yourself or about food? So if you actually come home from, uh, from work, what are you thinking? Are you, did you actually think by yourself, well, I deserve chocolate or I had a long day, so I, uh, I can have uh, one bar of chocolate. So we actually use it to figure out for yourself what is in your head about food and exercise. But also about yourself. How are you thinking about your body, about who you are, if you about your quality, qualities you have? Um, so actually, when you know how it works in your head, we can also try to change how you think about yourself. And that's one of the things about CBT. They actually say it's all about the thoughts in your head. So how you think about the world and about yourself. And if you could change those thoughts you probably will feel differently and you also will act differently. So it's a little bit different because most uh, dietitians would say, well, we're going to change your behavior. 
by changing, uh, for instance, uh, not eating bread. But we actually start not with changing behavior. We start about changing the thoughts who come before those actions. Mm. So it's a little bit different. And we're going to see what is actually in your head. What are you thinking? Why do you eat those chocolates? Or why are you eating those donuts? And let's see if we can change that a little bit. And do you find um, that people... like? most people use food as um, a, coping me- a coping mechanism or stress relief or perhaps to distract them from their thoughts? Yeah. Um, or is it a mix? It's a mix and actually it's also habits. So if you're always, uh, it's a habit if you come home and you always take your coffee with a donut, for instance, that's also a habit, but it's also in, indeed stress relief. Um, if you feel really bad or you had a, a lot of stress that day, yeah. Of course, food seems to work at those moments because you're distracting yourself by having something sweet or having something you actually like. So, yeah, of course, at those moments, it feels like it works. Yeah, yeah. And that's why actually we do it, because it, it, it looks like it work is working. Yeah. <laughs> um, and do you think there's an addictive component to, to that? Um, well, that's a difficult thing because actually... Um, people feel like they're addicted to sugar or they feel like they're addicted to donuts. But if (laughs) you look at at what is the definition of, uh, uh, um, then actually we cannot say that it's um, an addiction because, um, how would you say it? Um, There's no, um, I think you have to cut in this uh, (laughs) in my my answer. Um, Because, Actually, sugar itself is not really addictive. Okay. So if you look at all the studies out there, they can actually see that it's not something that is like addictive like heroin or smoking. So it's a different mechanism behind it. So people feel like sugar is really addictive, but it's actually not. I see. Yeah, and I think that's like we have feel-good food. Yeah, we do. Yeah. They know. Yeah, that's true. Comfort food, you know. Yeah. Um, Which may not maybe those terms aren't helpful, you know, um, it's, you know, it's like, yeah. Oh, I'm going to have my comfort food and feel better, but I'm not, you know, if you have your comfort food too much. <laughs> yeah. And actually they saw it because if you put people in an MRI and you give them chocolate, you see some parts of your brain actually highlight and you feel better about yourself yeah. and about I'm the world. I'm yeah. craving chocolate yeah. right yeah. now. So I yeah. totally get that. <laughs> and <laughs> if like, you would feed, if you would feed them broccoli, <laughs> Yeah, they don't have oh, the same pleasure in their head. That's true. Yeah, but yeah, it's not no. really addictive. It's not really addictive. That's not, that's there's something different. Yeah, not addiction. Um, yeah. So, do you um, are you satisfied with uh, your success rate? Do you find do you see um, long term improvements? Um, yes, I'm satisfied, but I'm not satisfied for the for the whole group. Because I think this program we have is suitable for, I think, a smaller group of women with PCOS. So even, um, so yeah, I would really be happy if we could help a a much larger group of women. But I think if you look at our program, we have a program for one year with weekly meetings. And I think that's not something everybody can do because Mm. women work, they have a family, um, we, we, for instance, we do it on a Monday afternoon. Well, that's not really 
something yeah. everybody is really capable of doing that. So if you look at my the results of our research, yeah, I think a lot of people stop from the program or they drop out because they can continue with the program, not because they found it really difficult to um, change their way of thinking or their, 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 the way they eat, but because it's a Monday afternoon. So yeah. I think there's a lot of work to do. For instance, make it something that's online avail- available, uh, that's actually available for so many more women, because now it's only available for the women who visit our hospital. So yeah, I think I have a lot of work to do for the future. Um, do you think it would be as effective as online? Like some people are like, oh, there's this such a benefit to in-person therapy or meeting in person. Um, yeah. Do you have any opinion? Yeah. yeah I, I really, I really do have an opinion about that because okay. <laughs> <laughs> for, we do it in a group. For instance, we do groups, group sessions now. So you meet other people with uh, women with PCOS. Well, if you, I, I would do it online. You really don't really meet them. Um, for instance, if if older women are waiting to when the start, session would start, they are chatting to each other and they are talking about how are they feeling or they are gossiping about me. And I think that's something really good for interaction, but also about how do I, if you talk to other women with PCOS, that's really good. And I think if we do it online, people don't do that because they are waiting for the online meeting and that's not happening. So yeah. Of course, online is not as beneficial as the the real thing. Okay, um, I guess my I want my final question here. You know, if some if is is it possible for someone who ha, um, who has PCOS, um, although it might be difficult, they can lose weight and keep it off. Yes, long term. Yeah. And it's, yes. it's, it's, it's just as difficult as any other women or men out there who is trying to lose weight. So, yes, they can lose weight. They don't do it uh, worse, or they. Uh, but I think it's difficult for everybody out there. And it's also difficult for the women with PCOS, but not more difficult. It's not more difficult. Okay. No, but it will probably feel that way. Yeah. Or if you would see it, see it in a cognitive behavioral therapy, you're probably saying to yourself, it's more difficult for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, that's kind of been like a, a common, um, well, it's, it's something I've heard a lot. Um, but like, I never really looked into like the science behind it. Like, is this true? Is, is it not true? Um, but I think that's very positive that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess um, if you were to advise them, I guess, I mean, I know your program's not online yet, or maybe it will be, but it seems like they should maybe look for something similar, um, whatever country they're in. I mean, I'm in the U.S., but people listen to to this um, all over. Yeah, there, there, and in, in, in there are more and more countries who actually have lifestyle-orientated uh, uh, dietitians, or they have lifestyle meetings. So yeah, if there is any kind of cognitive behavioral part in it. I think it's really suitable, but right, I think right. if you read it for the first time, you think, what is going, what is cognitive behavioral therapy going to do for me? Because the problem is not in my head. No, it, I'm really, I, re- I agree with that, but I think it could really help you see things in a different way. Right, right. Um, and I think too, making, just making you aware of things that you, you Oh know. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I used, I'm big into like mindfulness now, but um May I just even as I've gotten older, there's so so many old habits. I'm like, I didn't even know I was doing that. Like, it was really unhealthy. But um, anyways, um, 
I want, I want to thank you for your time today. And I just want to ask you, are you doing any more research in this area? Yeah, we are. We actually are actually looking at the diff if, if there's difference between women who actually visit are participating in the lifestyle program as we have it now, but also for gastric surgery. So if, uh, uh, if there's a difference between how p women with PCOS react, so is there there's probably more weight loss in the gastric surgery uh, uh, part of the study. But if it actually is really beneficial compared to the lifestyle program we have now, and we're also investigating a new cognitive behavioral therapy program for women with PCOS who are depressed. So not uh, especially if they're obese, but depressed in, in general. So we're testing both things at the moment. Well, very, very interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have to stay in touch and um, look for those when they come out for sure. Yeah, yeah, I will, um, I'll, I'll, I will email you the results if we have them. Yes, definitely, because um, I mean, I know people are considering uh, gastric surgery, um, and I mean, that's that's obviously a lot more invasive, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, but if, I mean, obesity and is a big problem too at the same time, so I, yeah. I get it. Um, yeah, and I think gastric surgery is not suitable for everybody. In Holland, for instance, we have really strict guidelines who who is who can actually uh, enter the gastric surgery program. So, yeah, there's a lot of group of women who actually cannot uh, enter those kind of surgeries. So, yeah, I think the program we have right now is really suitable for a large group of women. I think, yeah, gastric surgery surgery is yeah a solution for other people. Yeah. And I like to, um, you know, one thing I always liked about the AA model was the peer support. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's so valuable. Um, that's true. Like the just, yeah, just being able to meet in a group and feeling less alone uh, and, and being able to just empathize with somebody else who's going through something like, yeah. just like and you I, are. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that only women with PCOS can actually relate to that because nobody else actually feels that way. And it's yeah. such a complex disorder. So yeah, I think you need other women with PCOS who actually feel the same or actually have the same ideas about themselves. So yeah, I think that's so beneficial. Um, Jerry, I want to thank you. Thanks so much for uh, for clearing up a lot of myths, um, especially about you know these sort of specific diets. Um, and I really love this lifestyle approach. But um, yeah, yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, and, thank uh, you for the interview. Absolutely. And I, I really like I really like <laughs> talking about this subject because it's really close to me and I feel I can I can actually mean something for women at be shows out there. So I'm really, really happy I could uh, be on your show. Oh, absolutely. It was super helpful. And um, okay. people have requested this. So um, okay. I was I was happy when I, you're like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm like, yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I may not be able to pronounce your name right, but uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep it um, with Jerry, right? Jerry, no, Jerry's great. Yeah. Jerry yeah. is nobody can nobody can mess that up. So, no, that's true. Um, anyways, have a good weekend. I guess it's you almost too. Friday night over there. Yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah. almost Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how the pandemic is over there. Like, no one, we're not really horrible. No, we're staying really... at home. Everybody is staying home. So yeah, yeah. Um, we cannot do anything. The restaurants are not open. So yeah, everything is oh, closed. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully they'll be. Hopefully there'll be brighter days ahead. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you um, look at it in lifestyle perspective, maybe it's good that the restaurants are closed. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um,
anyways thanks so much enjoy your weekend and Thank i will you. send you this when it's um when it's done and uh yeah. look forward to the feedback okay okay thank you so much erin all right bye bye-bye all right guys thanks so much for tuning in and listening i hope you learned something i know i did um a special thank you to jerry for coming on and answering all of my questions um that said you guys if anyone you know is out there struggling with PCOS, definitely share this podcast with them. Um, It's helpful information. And um, if you have any ideas for topics or podcast guests, just shoot me a message, Aaron at bloomingwellness.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, though I'm not on Twitter as much as I used to be. Kind of got sick of all the politics. Um, It's a thief of time, as my mother would say. Um, anyways, and also if you, if you're so inclined, uh, subscribe to the podcast and become a listener, I would greatly appreciate that. That's it guys. I am going to go dress up Barnaby and take him on his morning stroll, morning adventure. We go on adventures, not walks, uh, through New York city. Okay guys. Have a good day. Bye.